<laughs> okay, that's where it's off. This is going to be a train wreck. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to The Local Lens, a podcast from the Powell County Health Department where we go inside our community's experience with the drug epidemic. Our show is coming to you from Stanton, Kentucky, a small town nestled at the foothills of Appalachia. And very basically, our goal with this show is to tell each other stories as they relate to the opiate and drug crisis that has been affecting our community and many other communities like ours for decades now. And today's episode is a very important chapter in telling our collective story in this issue. I'm joined in this episode by Miss Jasmine Thorpe, who is one of the most resilient and tough people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. She's one of many who has grown up with a parent in addiction, but rather than letting that stop her, she's used it almost as inspiration to keep going forward. Well, we'll let her tell her own story with it. We'll get into it in a minute. This is The Local Lens. I'm your host, Nate Brooks. This is a Powell County Cares project from the Powell County Health Department. These are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do. All right, let's get in the show. Um, hello, my name is Jasmine Thorpe. I am a lifelong resident of Powell County, and um, I've worked in the community with in different ways. I was part of the 4-H for a long time, and um, I've worked at the clinic here in Powell County, and I pretty much put my roots down here and I'm ready to see things change. Yeah. And you're not much older than me. How old are you? I am 29. 29. Yeah. Still in the twenties. Yeah. Still holding on. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you just started going back to nursing school. Yep. Yeah. Congratulations. Nursing school. Your younger sister, I was in school with your younger sister. And uh, so, yeah, so we've been around each other for most of our lives. So you're from Powell County. I am. Um, what have you seen the opioid crisis to be like? Um, astronomical. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's sad for such a small community to be hit so hard. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've watched it grow from a very, well, I don't know if it's because I'm older and I see more or what, well, but I've seen it from, you know, when I was younger to now and it, it, it just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. It, it continues to, to be... I'm sorry. An unstoppable force. You know, it's like we keep throwing things at it and it mm-hmm. keeps growing. It keeps growing. Even. Yeah. That's that, that's one thing I've seen, like, as I've gotten older, is like it's it's doing the opposite of going away. Yeah. It's just it's seeping into more and more that we see. And uh, it's definitely got like its thumb like on our necks. It feels like yes. it, uh, it feels awful. Um, so you have a pretty personal connection to seeing what this whole problem can do with people. I do. Um, I guess my whole life was kind of built around an addiction. Um, My mother was an addict, and she fought it pretty hard when she wanted to, you know. Um, Was your mom around with addiction, like, from the time you were little? Yeah, I mean, from yeah. as far as I can tell. My, my grandmother raised me for most of my life. Okay. Um, I can always remember staying in her in her house, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I assume that when I was smaller, even like 
infant Mm -hmm. that it was an issue. Um, So, like I said, my grandma raised me. My mom came in and out, and I never really knew why. Mm -hmm. You know, that was normal. I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. Um, When I got older, I was like seven when my sister was born. And I started realizing that, you know, she was doing the same thing, just kind of in and out, in and out. And I guess one day my grandma just said, told me, you know, hey, your mom likes drugs. It's, it is what it is. You remember how old you were then? Um, I was probably nine or 10, mm-hmm. which was totally inappropriate. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but she had probably had a really bad day and that was a result of it. Yeah. Um, how would you have rather that conversation had gone? I, I think there was a a better way to, you know, yeah. like at nine or 10, I was probably in day or, yeah. you know, we probably had these, these talks and there was a better way to deliver that information to a child. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause at that point it was like, Oh, she likes drugs, but not me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a much better way to educate people about addiction. Yeah. Than just being like, hey, they like drugs better than their kids. Because mm-hmm. that's not true. Yeah. Um, my mom loved us. You know, you're I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. I, you can't look at your child and not just be in love. Mm-hmm. Um, addiction is is a it's a bear, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is a disease. It's a disease that that medically we don't know much about. You know, it's a choice. But it turns into a disease. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, they chose to do it. But I think everyone has, like like you and I even, there's probably things that we're addicted to that we don't know, like Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, someone just chose the wrong thing to be addicted to. And I think you made an important distinction, too, that I've not heard anybody say yet, that, like, the medical field doesn't really know much about addiction. No. Like, I mean, so, like, you'll you'll talk to lots of professionals, and everyone will be like, we're figuring it out, like, we're, we're laying it all out there. But then it's such a huge thing that, like, how can you even get yeah. to the Well, there's just it? so much about the brain that we don't know, mm-hmm. you know. And I think everyone's brain responds differently to, to things. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for any profession to nail down. Yeah. You know, because it's so different in every case. Yeah. So... With your mom, too, how often would she be around, like, when you were little and then, like, once you started, like, being able to remember more? Um, I mean, it was just so in and out. She drove a truck across country. Mm-hmm. Um, not many women do that. That's, I mean, she, she was so smart and talented and mm-hmm. she could do things that, you know, it just blew my mind mm-hmm. to think about. But she drove a truck and she was gone a lot doing that. Um, was she a Grateful Dead fan? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> she's listening to trucking. I can just remember Ario Speedwagon a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That, I mean, that's also yeah. appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was a lot of tapes. A mm-hmm. lot of tapes. <sighs> I miss tapes. So she drove a truck, and she was gone, you know, and I always just chalked it up to being gone to work, and, you know, moms go to work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously there was way more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, She got married a few times. I mean, it was just like sometimes it was a week that she was home. Sometimes it was a month. Um, like the longest stint, uh, she actually got cancer when I was in high school. She got cervical cancer. And um, 
she was she was sober for about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, she did great. You know, she was like the best mom ever. She, you know, that's how I know she loved us. Because there were times that, like, you know, there's just mm-hmm. no way. But um, her surgery resulted in, or, or her cancer resulted in um, some complications with her intestines and things that caused her to be in chronic pain all the time. Mm-hmm. Which fell her right back into the rabbit hole of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no way to function without pain medicine Mm -hmm. and there was no way to have pain medicine without you know waking the beast of addiction Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm afraid that it's like that for a lot of people and i don't know the answer to that but it's something we should be working on so i actually remember from being in school with jasmine's sister when this was going on And we were elementary schoolers, maybe middle school when it was happening. We didn't understand. We were just young. My sister and my mom have such a better relationship than me and my mom did. Okay. I think because I was older Mm -hmm. and I kind of just sheltered her from the the bad. I didn't want her to know the bad, you know. Yeah. I didn't want her to, because I had really, really hard feelings for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um towards her i just didn't you know there was just nothing she could do that made me like her mm-hmm. my sister you know she thought she hung the moon and mm-hmm. i just wanted to keep that innocence as long as i could and um i mean i succeeded she still mm-hmm. doesn't see any bad in it and that's fine you know mm-hmm. that's that's i wish i had i wish i had that experience how do you think that influenced like you as a teenager um Seeing that close firsthand. Well, it definitely kept me from trying anything too crazy as mm-hmm. a teenager. Um, you know, I always knew. I just had it in my head that and my dad was an alcoholic. Um, I, I haven't ever mentioned that, but my dad was an alcoholic. And my mom was a drug addict. So I had it in my head that, you know, if I try something, I'm probably going to like it and mm-hmm. not ever stop. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't. Um so I think that's helpful, mm-hmm. just using that as a stepping stone. It, it also, you know, seeing someone throw away so much potential mm-hmm. really lights a fire to not do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just want to, like, it just gave me the motivation I needed to push myself to be anything yeah. more than, you know, what but I grew up around. What happens with a lot of people, too, though, is they'll... If they grow up in that kind of environment, then they'll fall into the same patterns a lot of times. What, what do you think the difference was for you? I, I think, I, honestly, I don't think it was a difference for me. I think it's a red pill, blue pill situation. Okay. You know, I think mm-hmm. that either you grow up and you're just accustomed to it and the cycle spins mm-hmm. and you grow up or you grow up and you hate it and you want to break the circle. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I just think it. that's a person by person um, situation also. Mm-hmm. Was was it going through school? Um, was it like known by your peers? Kind of what your situation uh, was at all? You know, I don't know. If it was, they never. Um, they never acted like they knew. Or mm-hmm. I mean, they knew my grandparents raised me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure in my high school years that I was snot about it and probably said mean things and mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, but I got I got very lucky because I had two very wonderful grandparents mm-hmm. that raised me to be. I think that had a lot to do with the motivation and inspiration to push me a little harder too. They raised me mm-hmm. to you know have the right work ethic and mm-hmm. right, they knew right from wrong and so I knew right from wrong and you know they've been through so much. Mm-hmm. They really had. They lost both of their children. My mom and my uncle died in the same year. Really? Three months apart. Yeah. I mean, it's just wild. The things that they've been through, just, you know, mm-hmm. and they lived it as a parent with a child that was an addict, so. Mm-hmm. Do you know, do you know what age your mom started using? Oh, probably 18. Yeah. I don't know. My grandma told me a story once that she ran away when she was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume she was probably not doing great things then. Mm-hmm. I would like to think, you know, she waited a little bit, but I do remember that story. Mm-hmm. She stole a car and drove to Georgia, of all places. Of all places, Georgia. I wonder why. Was it like Atlanta or was it like just? We, I think we had family living there or something, oh, okay. and she just yeah. went there. Yeah. Um, but she's just, I don't know, you know, like they raised me, so I know they, they did a good job. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I don't know what brings it out in people i really think because some people are just wired that way mm-hmm. you know to do risky things and mm-hmm. so let me ask you this then so when you were going through school i think that has to like it has to be happening a lot for a lot of kids how, how many how many kids that you graduated with do you think were in similar situations I, it's I can't give you a number. Yeah. I mean, I probably plenty Yeah. that had worse situations than me. Yeah. You know, that didn't have people taking care of them. Yeah. That didn't have a good support system that, you know, um, I remember there was a time when um, my sister was first born. So my mom was on and up. So we were, we lived like right on, like there's a house on a hill and then there's a trailer below it and we lived in that trailer with my mom and i was probably eight she was about one and i would get up every morning change her diaper give her a bottle and put her back in her playpen and get on the bus and go to school before my mom even woke up and i remember thinking back on that in high school and like wondering how many kids had to do that every day of their life forever you know thankfully my grandmother you know took us back home mm-hmm. which is you know that's my home mm-hmm. um but i just can't imagine trying to grow and learn and develop and having all that other responsibility all the time yeah like, cards are stacked against you at that point yeah did you was a school doing offering anything to help really um i don't really think the school knew i mean i was eight i didn't tell well, that's, yeah. you know yeah Nobody really knew that I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but it didn't last long, like I said. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. So you've been working in the medical field mm-hmm. for a few years, and you're going back into nursing school. Mm-hmm. Um, did your whole upbringing, did that push you down this medical field? or? I think my, my whole life experience turned me into a person that is pretty selfless. Okay. You know, I've seen a lot of selfish, selfish actions my whole mm-hmm. life. And 
I always wanted to be a person that never put myself first. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a healthy way, mm-hmm. you know. I I want to take care of people. I want to help people. Um, I assistant coach the high school volleyball team. Nice. I put myself in any situation I can to help people. Yeah. And I really think that, you know, my childhood experience formed that need to help others. Yeah. That's pretty good. Do you, do you see yourself as a person with much empathy towards like the whole addiction community? In my older, I, I say older, like yeah. older, in <laughs> my older not years, high yes. School, so, yeah. <laughs> in my in my young adult years, yes. Yeah. Um, in my teen and like early twenties, no. I, mm-hmm. I I I've completely turned over a different leaf. Um, from then, but, but then I just, I hated the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a new mom that had this kid that I loved so much and couldn't understand how a parent could ever turn their back on their child. Mm-hmm. And I was bitter about it, but, um, you know, a few years and a lot of therapy later, but that's a big key therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm pro therapy for anybody that has been through mm-hmm. anything, <laughs> um, <laughs> anything. Yeah. Uh, I have turned a different leaf. You know, I, I see people who are helpless. I see people who've got themselves in a situation that they can't overcome. Mm-hmm. No, some people, no matter how hard they try, you know, I see people struggle every day. Um, Janelle's doing great work. Mm-hmm. The Casey law, um, uh, advocacy is great here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a cousin that got Casey Lott a couple weeks ago. She's not going to do well. She doesn't want to be better. At first, at first, at least, but it's a long road. It's yeah, a long well, road. I mean, yeah. you know, she's not going to, she's not going to take it well. Yeah. She doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, but that's why there's a Casey's Law. Yeah. You know, to show you how you do want this. So what, what do you think was, was there a specific event that you remember that like, really changed your perspective on it from like the bitterness towards it to more empathy towards it? Probably when my mom died. Mm-hmm. Um, because when she died, I felt really relieved. Like I don't have to worry about her anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that is such a terrible thought to have. Mm-hmm. You know, like I felt good because my mom died. And so that's when I started going to therapy. Cause I was like, I'm not a monster. I swear mm-hmm. I'm not, but you know, that was a true feeling that I had. And uh and I was relieved. You know, I didn't deep down when I went to therapy I realized I was because I didn't have to worry about her because what I didn't realize was for the whole twenty three years that I was alive, I was always worried about where she was and mm-hmm. if she was still alive. Mm-hmm. You know. Um then that opened my eyes to how helpless she probably was, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's sad. It, it's I try to try to tell people not to be bitter about it, because but it's hard. I mean, I know I, I was hard on my mom, and I know I was, and I probably made her situation worse. Mm-hmm. I don't carry that with me because you know you can't change anything that happened already. But I try to tell other people like, hey. Slow mm-hmm. down and see. Slow down and think about how you can help them. Mm-hmm. 
overcome what they're struggling with instead of belittling them for struggling. Mm -hmm. That's something I hear a lot, like, doing these episodes is, like, ask yourself, like, are you helping or are you hurting, like, the situation? And, like, I think that's that's a good rule of thumb for pretty much anything Anything. you're ever going to do. Like, why on earth would you knowingly do something that hurts? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's why I had such a big conflict because I built this life on being this selfless, caring person. Mm-hmm. And here I was doing the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. But it was far too late for me to make amends there. So now I just do what I can for everyone else, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long were you in therapy for that? Or did you, uh, are you still doing it? No, I, I was in therapy for about a year. Okay. Um, school and work and time kind of makes therapy hard. Mm-hmm. Um. Raising I'm, a child. Oh, yeah. yeah. That also. That yeah. also. That yeah. likes to play all the sports. Yeah. yeah. What sports does he play? Um, he plays basketball and soccer, but there's two soccer seasons a year. Good. You yeah. know, so we do. He does upward and little league. Yeah. So really four. Yeah. Year-round then. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. like baseball yet, so we'll see. I don't blame him. Baseball. It was boring to him, so. Yeah. Yeah. They, they make you wear. It's the hottest time of year. And they put the tightest pants mm-hmm. on you and the big socks. And, and a hat. And yeah. Go stand in the sun and yeah. just wait and for a ball to come your way. And I was like, that, that's not very fun. And I could, I was scared of the ball. I was bad at baseball. <laughs> baseball wasn't fun for me. But So I don't blame him if he never comes around to it. But soccer is really fun. Oh, he loves just, soccer. Oh, man. You're just running around. That's awesome. That's it's so fun. It's the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, always hard. I can't imagine like another way for a kid to get out all their energy like it that. Has hard. to make it easier on you mm-hmm. at home. Just like that's genius. I'm going to really push soccer in my household someday. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, that was way off topic. Um. <laughs> we hit on this a little bit earlier. You said addiction is definitely a disease comes about by a choice is how you put it i think do you want to expand on that at all well i think that what people don't understand when they want to argue about choice versus you know disease is that we make choices every day Mm -hmm. a million times a day you make a choice what you're going to put on what you're going to eat you know what you're going to watch on tv And I think I touched on it, and I said that, you know, we all have addictions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every time we open that app or every time we turn on that TV show that we binge watch, Mm -hmm. you're feeding an addiction. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that these drugs that people are taking alter their brain to make them think that they need it or they can't survive. Yeah. It's like, for example, I watch Grey's Anatomy. I'm a really big Grey's Anatomy fan. Sure, you're not alone there. Um, I know I'm not. I have a Grey's Anatomy group chat, like oh, that's you know. Great. And uh, the COVID made. I said the COVID. <laughs> the COVID made um, Grey's stop airing this season. We didn't get to see the season finale. Really? Talk about a lot of mad stay-at-home moms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We were upset. Yeah. You know. So is that addict that can't get their next hit. Mm -hmm. It's literally the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just one's more dangerous than the other. Grace can't kill me. Yeah. Yeah. And then one thing that happened, that's happened too with COVID that if you've heard any of these other episodes, you've heard this already. Um, But 
the COVID put everyone in isolation too. Not so people in recovery talk about mental health. Off. Yeah. Talk I mean, about it's mental sad. health. I'm a very yeah. big advocate for mental health. Good. Thank you. I think mental health really almost controls our physical health. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, no, I, 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 I really do. I well, mean, yeah. if I'm having, if I'm in a depressed state, my whole body hurts. Yeah. I don't want to move. Yeah. I don't feel like getting up and cleaning the house, you yeah. know. If I'm an addict, I'm always depressed because I don't like myself. Mm-hmm. And then you add in all of the other biological factors and the chemical changes that are going on in your brain. And if you want to learn more about specifically the brain chemistry and the biological changes, then you can check out a couple of our past episodes with Dr. Cassis or with April Smith and Lisa Coffey. Those are great resources for learning about this stuff. But for right now, just understand that it is a much trickier problem to solve than it looks like on the surface. I can't imagine waking up every day and fighting that fight and then going into a time where I can't go out and have a meeting where I can Mm -hmm. talk to people that make me feel better Mm -hmm. or where I can't go to therapy. I have to talk to someone over the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's something, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Like we're we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not an easy time. But you know, just like everyone is saying, we do have to do this together. We have to check mm-hmm. on our neighbors. We have to care about other people mm-hmm. to get through what we're going through together. And the war of addiction is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a pandemic that's been going on for as long as I can Years, remember. Decades, yeah. With the community, you're you're coming from a place where you made it through seeing somebody close to you fight this their whole life. Um, you were one of the people there that like you were pulling your sister through, mm-hmm. um, and by God's grace, you had a grandma and grandpa that were pulling you through, and um, looking to other families that are struggling with the same struggles, what what could you say to them that would maybe help them? Number one, without God, you don't get through it. And I don't know if you want to go down that road, but that's the only way you get through it. Let's go down that road. That's there were there are nights that I remember laying in bed knowing that the only person that I had on my side was God. But it got me through to the next day, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, There are nights that I prayed that my grandma wouldn't hurt the next day. Just Mm -hmm. give her a day that she doesn't get hurt, Mm -hmm. you know. Give her a day where her soul can rest. Um, That's that's the strongest recommendation I can give anybody is to trust in God Mm -hmm. because He He will move. He will give you a way through. Um, reach out, reach out to other people, find other people. Don't be, don't be embarrassed Mm -hmm. by what cards you've been dealt, Mm -hmm. you know, find other people in your situation, Mm -hmm. lean on each other, Mm -hmm. find resources, do what you have to do. Don't let it, don't let it overcome you Mm -hmm. because then you're in the same boat, you know, and that's, that's not where you want to be. Nobody wants to feel alone. Yeah. But that's why I stress the whole, you know, have God on your side, because then you never feel alone. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that's just about all the time that we have for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening to the episode. Thank you for paying attention to Jasmine. Uh, reach out to her if you can. Give her some praise for being on the show with us. Uh, it takes a lot of bravery and courage to come onto this show and talk about this stuff as honestly as she has. So I will give the biggest possible thanks to Miss Jasmine Thorpe for everything she's done for this so far. I would also like to thank WSKV for broadcasting the show and the Powell County Health Department for letting the show become a thing and for Kentucky Rio for further sponsoring the show. This is The Local Lens, a Powell County Cares project. I'm your host, Nate Brooks. Thank you guys for tuning in. These are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do.